I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out, knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control, control, control. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders, We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden, and I'm so excited to have my next guest here. We have Emily Yeston, who is the co-founder and CEO of Dore. And if you don't know what Dore is, it's a fairly new brand, but you must, must, must get your hands on it, put it all over your skin, and enjoy what a beautiful, beautiful brand it is. So, Emily co-founded the brand Dore with her co-founder. We'll get into that. The goal was really to bring clean, gentle, and effective made-in-France skincare with a focus on sustainability and inclusivity to the market. And she's taken an idea that she was super passionate about and turned it into not only a reality, but an early success. So the products are super hydrating. I have really dry skin, and I love how Dore's transformed everything about my skin in just the last couple of weeks. It's amazing. So I'm sure it will become a fast cult product out there. And as I mentioned, she's got an incredible entrepreneurial story that I had to have her on to share a little bit more about it. So without further ado, welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. Totally. So first, I'd love to hear, before we even get started talking about the company and Doré, I'd love for you to talk for a moment about who you were. As a little kid, as an upbringing, did you ever think, okay, one day I'm going to get into skincare, launch a physical goods company, uh, become an entrepreneur? Tell me a little bit more about you. No, this is, I had no idea I would ever be doing anything like this. Um, you know, I was always an ambitious kid and I would say a, a bit of a, had a good self-start, good self-drive always. But um, for me, I really wanted to be a journalist. Like I was very interested in working in media. I was fascinated by magazines. I was, you know, reading Vogue and Vanity Fair when I was in middle school, like before I even really understood the content that I was absorbing. I was just fascinated by the sort of dreams that you would have access to through going through those pages. And so I always thought that that would be my career. I would teach myself how to be a great writer. And then I would end up trying to get, you know, a job as a a writer and editor at one of these magazines. So that was really where my ambitions were. I was always interested in fashion. That was something that I was always very curious in, but the beauty kind of, you know, component wasn't something that really struck me until I had gotten in more to the fashion and the media industry and started to sort of learn um, the importance of beauty through even skincare struggles that I was having personally um, as I got into my later 20s. But no, this is a quite a surprise for all of us. So interesting. So you actually did go into journalism and media and you met your co-founder there, your co-founder of Dore, Garance Dore. I'd love to kind of hear a little bit more about, you know, your experience in, in journalism and media and how you two finally connected. 
Yeah. So I, when I graduated from college, I had done internships at, you know, Women's Wear Daily and I did something at Oscar de la Renta when I was in university trying to kind of explore the fashion media world and um, landed at Lucky Magazine when I graduated from school and was kind of freelancing there and was really inspired by, you know, the Condé Nast environment. I thought that what a dream to be working at, at Condé Nast at, you know, 21 years old and fresh out of school and the whole thing. But when I was abroad during university in Paris, I had discovered Garance's blog. She launched, launched the blog back in 2006, and I was in Paris in 2009 and became really interested in what she was doing, you know, on the internet, those early, uh, uh, early digital media days. And so I was at Condé and um, needed to find full-time work because I needed to figure out how to support myself in New York City as like a, you know, up-and-coming, you know, entry-level sort of uh, person working in the business. And and anyway, so I was looking for full-time jobs and Garance had posted something for an editorial assistant position. And I thought, why not? I'm going to send my, I saw it on Twitter. I'm going to send my resume in and, and see what happens. And um, And we met for an interview and I remember being so intimidated by her, but also she's one of those people that just puts you at ease immediately when you're in her presence because she's so warm and so friendly. And um, she asked me like if I could do all of these different things that I had no idea how to do any of them. She was asking me about, you know, pitching different stories and how to put a shoot together. And, you know, I was 22. I had no clue what I was doing yet, but I just said, yes, I could figure everything out to her essentially. And she figured, I guess I'll take a bet on this, this young girl who seems eager and is either totally full of BS or is really going to figure out how to get all of this done. So we started working together um, back in 2011. And at the time, she was really, I think, one of the biggest, you know, fashion bloggers in the space. Everyone at Condé Nast thought I was crazy to leave, you know, sort of the temple of publishing, if you will, to go work for a blogger. Um, But I had always loved what she did. And I was really excited by what was happening on the internet. I just felt like this is where the future was sort of moving to. And and I wanted to be there and I wanted to be a part of it. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
no English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think, and makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Um, And so in our time together, it started as just basically the two of us. We ended up developing this creative studio um, and sort of evolved what was such a personal project of hers with the blog into more of a digital media site. Like the word content wasn't something that we were throwing around and talking about, but eventually like that's what we were doing Um, and spent a lot of time like figuring out the first, you know, sort of advertorial pieces and how do you like incorporate paid opportunities into what you're doing and sort of build an entire kind of business ecosystem around that in something that felt so non-traditional from what you would see on the publishing end of of traditional print media. And so 
it was really kind of like an adventure of us both being self-taught and really figuring it all out as we went. And we, we did that together, you know, I mean, up until we launched the skincare brand a couple of months ago. It's interesting. I was familiar with the blog even before you and I connected. And it's, you know, was really one that, you know, kind of stood out to me as really breaking rules that were in place, especially in place in sort of typical journalism. You know, thinking back on sort of this whole topic of social media influencers, I feel like they were, or I should say the blog was really, you were kind of creating a lot of these people in the blog and who people should follow, et cetera. I mean, that must have been really, really exciting, but also journeying into the unknown, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you're building a puzzle without the pictures, I always describe it. You've already sort of done that. I mean, this was almost a startup in some ways because you just kept reiterating and and changing along the way. How would you describe that experience versus what you're doing today? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, everything that we built with the media company happened really organically. It wasn't strategic and it wasn't something where we sat down and we said, okay, this is what we want to do, you know, in the next five years or even in the next year. It was really, you know, these opportunities would come to us and we would sort of figure things out as we went. We, Garans wanted to write a book. We decided to figure out how to write a book. We wanted to do a collaboration on stationery. We figured out how to do that. But with the beauty business, it was really more thoughtful and there was a strategy behind it. And it was really about wanting to kind of close the chapter on what we had built with the media company, but knowing that there was so much value in what we had created and thinking, you know, in a really smart way about how that could translate and where that would translate best. And um, so this has been a much more, I would say, thoughtful endeavor in terms of how we've gone about setting it up and organizing ourselves. But building, making a physical good is so different than creating content. And so it's had a huge, we've had a big learning curve and and figuring out how to actually get product made. Um, But it's been a little bit more, yeah, I would say strategic in the way that we've gone about approaching this. How would you describe Doré to people who have never tried it or never seen it before? Yeah, so we like to think of it as a sort of French pharmacy skincare, really modernized. Um, And so it's really about taking the principles of French pharmacy, which, you know, Garant's growing up in France, I, you know, studied abroad and spent time there. And then we spent subsequent time there, you know, in the media business during fashion weeks and things like that. It's really about the idea of like, you could find this really great, really gentle, really effective skincare in the pharmacies in France at a really accessible price point. Um, And we wanted to take that concept, that idea, but do it in a way that felt more modern, um, was actually clean and more sustainable. Um, so it's really kind of taking something that's been quite institutional and and sort of flipping it on its head for a modern consumer. That's awesome. So when French pharmacy skincare, I feel like Europe has a lot different laws than the U.S. does and things are cleaner. We have this whole concept of clean beauty today, which... Uh, I think has, you know, somewhat been butchered over the last few years in particular from what it sort of started out. But how would you define that French pharmacy? I mean, it definitely has a a romance about just the term, but I'm curious how you would really define it. 
Yeah. So for me, it's products that are focused on um, being suitable for sensitive skin. So a lot of the the sort of fundamental brands that you find in the pharmacy, their formulas are developed with skin sensitivity in mind, and they're incredibly gentle. So you, you're sort of stripping out a lot of the really harsh actives, the acids and things like that from their sort of fundamental ingredients and their baseline formulas and thinking more about skin sensitivity and how you can really repair the skin. So that was sort of the first think piece of it that we thought about. Then I would say the clinical efficaciousness of it. So, you know, when you think about French pharmacy, the idea of a pharmacist, it's really about, you know, knowing that there is a clinician behind, you know, the formula that's recommending it to you. So it feels very trustworthy and very safe. Like, you know, that you're getting a product that you can trust. So for us, we clinically test um, all of our formulas so that we know that we have that level of efficacy that we're driving towards, given that we ourselves are not chemists or pharmacists or dermatologists, we have, you know, scientists that go through that process of actually testing the formulas to make sure that they can meet that standard. And then I think the accessibility is the other part of the romance, this idea that you could go to France and fill your suitcase with products that weren't necessarily going to break the bank. And that these French women that we have always, I think, aspired to in terms of their sense of, um, effortlessness when it comes to their approach to beauty. You know, when you pull back the curtain and you see that they're using, you know, a $25 moisturizer rather than a $300 cream, there's something quite dreamy about that. And so the accessibility component was really important to us as we thought about the price positioning for the brand. I love it. And so you currently, the line is three products. And uh, so why three? Yeah, because I think the other thing that French women have figured out is this idea of simplicity. Um, It's, you know, personal journey that I had had with my skin was realizing that the more I was doing to, I used to have really bad cystic acne and a lot of acne scarring all over my face that started in my 20s. And I could not for the life of me figure out how to fix my skin. I had access to all of the products that you can imagine. When we had the media company going, I was able to meet with tons of amazing estheticians and dermatologists and Everyone kept giving me more and more and more to do to try to fix my skin. And it wasn't until I decided to actually stop doing all of that and pare everything down to fewer kind of better, more gentle products that my skin actually started to find some balance and sort of restore itself. And so we wanted to do something that would really focus on that idea of simplicity, but consistency, because those are the things that we find actually make the biggest difference in the quality of your skin health. Um, And so three products felt like something, you know, incredibly manageable to introduce to someone. It's not a routine with 10 steps that we're, you know, asking someone to be doing morning and night. But when it comes to just washing your face and making sure that you're using a moisturizer, it feels achievable for kind of anyone, depending on what their, their sort of routine is. And then that balm is, kind of a multi-purpose hero that you can keep with you sort of throughout the day for little touches of hydration here and there. But we wanted something that would really get back to basics. And Garance will say this, she's also lazy and we both are a little bit lazy. And so we also wanted something that just felt unfussy and uncomplicated for those of us that just don't really want to be spending that much time obsessing over, you know, how to do our skincare routine when we have other things that we'd rather be doing. It's so interesting that you say that. I, I've had other brands on the podcast that have talked about, you know, gone are the days where it's 10 steps. I mean, nobody wants it anymore. And no. it's uh, it really has to be simple. And I love to see that really many industries are going back to that too, not just beauty, but just the simplicity factor. I think everybody wants life to be simpler 
in so many ways. And same with products and services so that you can understand them. Of the three, I mean, what is kind of the runaway product? I've, I've always said, you know, launching products, you know, you see what sticks that's out there. Not that they aren't all great, but is there one that seems to be, wow, everyone's talking about it? Yeah, I, the moisturizer, our La Creme has been our bestseller since we launched. Um, it's a great like all-in-one daily moisturizer you can use morning and night that's fragrance-free and it's super, super hydrating. I think the balm, though, might start to be the runaway hit after we get through a little bit more of the winter season because it's that, that like amazing, really hydrating multi-purpose product that's like meant for this weather. So I'm very curious to see. Those two seem to be like duking it out for for kind of top top billing. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's sort of like all of your favorite petroleum-based products like your aquaphors and your Vaseline's, but there's no petroleum in it. It has a beeswax base. We really wanted to clean up what that that kind of product could be. And so like this weather with everyone I know has a cold, they're like putting it around their nose to yeah. get rid of all the dry chapped skin and the chapped lips and um, all of that. I think I think it's going to be the new hero in a couple of weeks from now. Do you put the moisturizer on underneath it and then put it on or how would you suggest it? Yeah. So we, we would say use the cleanser first to wash the face. Then if you have a treatment step that you like to do a serum or something like that, it would come next. And then sort of finish with the moisturizer. And then the balm is really for any little touch-ups and, and touches of dry skin that you need. So moisturizer first, and then the balm can come after that or be sort of like an on-the-go for when you need a little touch-up of stuff. I use the, the balm as an eye cream at night. So I'll put my moisturizer on and then I'll put the balm under my eyes to give that little sort. And then I stick it in my eyebrows too, because it has castor oil in it. So it helps with brow growth. And so I'm like, trying to grow my brows a little bit, get out of the 90s of the the overplucked brows and into the, the full brows. So I find myself rubbing it there too at the end of my routine as well. Did you have any idea when you were getting into physical goods, all of the process? I mean, obviously you'd talked to brands in the past and written stories about them, but did you have any idea like all of the steps of getting the packaging and getting on the shelf and getting the word out about the product, all of these components? It's no, I, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, yeah, it's it's been uh, definitely a learning curve. And I think as much as we understood, you know, that there was, we had to find a good formula, we had to get good packaging. I mean, the amount of testing that has to go into getting a skincare product just available to be mass produced. I mean, you know, there's the, um, all the compatibility testing with the packaging that you have to do. There's so many components that just go into making sure that the product is actually sellable and scalable before you even get to the point of making your first purchase order and actually thinking about that, especially I'm sure food and beverage similarly, because something you're ingesting, it's a, it's complicated, but with skincare too, because we make everything in France, we are dealing with more regulatory hurdles than we are manufacturing here in the U S. And so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of time and a lot of resources that goes into just making sure that we can actually manufacture the product to get it on a shelf. And that was something I did not understand the process and the length of time that it would take to get that done. And now, you know, if you want to change anything, what I'm finding is like, you kind of have to go back and almost start that process over again in a lot of ways, because if you tweak a pack, you know, you have to go through compatibility testing again, you have to make sure the formula is going to stay stable. So it's definitely been, um, yeah, a learn a huge learning curve. How have you gotten the word out about Doré? 
Yeah. So when we launched the brand in May, we decided to fully kind of pivot the blog that we had for 16 years into being the direct-to-consumer platform for the brand. And so we were really lucky that we kind of had this built-in following, if you will, from um, our media days that we were, you know, hoping that we would be able to convert into customers. And we've been able to see that there is real strong interest for what we've done through that consumer base that already existed through the readership of the blog. So we've been really focused on kind of tapping into that organic audience and educating them about product and getting them to try it. And we find that once it's in people's hands, that they're really falling in love with it from a a quality standpoint. And that's been really meaningful to us. Um, So that's been a big piece of it. But yeah, press has been another big focus. We're we're, you know, trying to make sure that we're connecting with our uh, Rolodex of editors and, and people that have been in the industry that we've known in other capacities for so many years. And now we have something new to kind of talk about with them. And it's been great to get support very early on. We were in a feature in the New York Times in July, which was incredible. I was almost like, oh my God, is this happening too soon? I don't know that yeah. we can, are we going to be able to, I felt like we were peaking too early, but it, it's been amazing to see the support from media, especially in the beauty industry where everyone is a little bit cynical because there's just so much out there. It's such a crowded market. So to yeah. find you know, that we can break through with an editor that's tried everything has been really meaningful for us. And now we're starting to do like more in real life stuff and partnerships with other brands. I think, you know, thinking about our customers outside of just their skincare experience, but what other brands are they interacting with in the rest of their life? And how can we foster partnerships with those, you know, kind of like-minded brands that are out there in other categories so that we can do a little audience sharing and really help kind of grow visibility across has been great. And I think that partnership and community-driven mentality really comes from what we did in the media business for such a long time and the relationships that we were able to build there. Well, and I think you guys do have a story. I left tech to go and start a beverage company. And early on, that story in particular was one that people wanted to share. I mean, they thought it was crazy. Here I was, you know, kind of jumping off of this uh, successful train to go and go back down to the bottom again and go deal with you know, running bottles of Hint in plants. You know, it was just, it really was crazy. But, you know, more and more people wanted to write that story. And I think it really set us apart from many other beverage companies because if you've got a real story that people want to understand your why, it's a great way to get exposure for your brand. So, and an inexpensive way to do it too. Absolutely. And I think we're we're fighting against the current of the influencer and celebrity brand a little bit right now in the beauty space because it's been so saturated. And so we're really also trying to show that what we've built is something with immense quality behind. That's why we spent so much time and like resources focusing on the efficacy component and making sure that the quality of the product could really speak for itself, regardless of who was behind it, knowing that there was something that that was on the market that would really break through outside of just being another name that decided to pivot into the beauty industry because we've seen so much of that. And um, the fact that that is something that's resonating feels really exciting to us. That's awesome. So let's talk about the affordable price point as well. I was shocked when I uh, (laughs) saw the prices because they're between, I think, $12 and $36, uh, which is uh, quite reasonable, especially for skincare 
why is everyone else charging such high prices, I think, for their products? I mean, not that yours is an inexpensive product. Like, I think that there's always this, like, challenge where you want the consumer to understand the quality and you can't have great quality if it's a very inexpensive product. But, you know, you guys have really achieved that. So how have you been able to do that? It's been hard. And, and, you know, our manufacturer tells me constantly that we should be charging more for what we're, we're making because the margins in the beauty industry are so comfortable. You know, most brands, their margins sit somewhere between like 80 and 90%. And, um, you know, the customer's really paying for all of that marketing that's going into, um, building those brands. And what we wanted to do was kind of pull back from that and not be so um, kind of marketing heavy in a traditional way and really focus more again on the quality and knowing that word of mouth through quality and accessibility would be something that would create sort of more sustainable long-term growth for the company outside of splashy marketing campaigns. And so we've had to be, you know, a lot tighter with our budgets when it comes to how we think about marketing. We're not throwing a ton of budget into paid media and we're not doing kind of big campaigns and, um, you know, splashy events. But what we're finding is that there isn't really a need to be charging so much for a lot of these products. They're, they all cost around the same amount to make unless there's some sort of special patentable ingredient that's in them that is for some reason, you know, harder to source or just more difficult to be able to fabricate in a lab. Um, but that that marketing cost was something that we saw being just passed along to the consumer. And I you know, Grants comes from Corsica. I come from a very blue collar family. You know, my mom bought mass market skincare her entire life. And that's what I grew up with. And um, I know there's been so much great kind of innovation, especially in the clean space in the more sort of indie and prestige skincare markets. But as we looked at, at mass, there wasn't a lot that was in market that wasn't super like Gen Z focused. I think Gen Z has got everyone's chasing the youth all the time. Like there's so much that's happened in that segment of the beauty market. But when I think about women like my mom and my aunts and, and friends that are in their, you know, forties, fifties, sixties, um, we wanted to make sure that, that we could sort of represent something new that existed in that segment of the market that wasn't also about anti-aging. Cause I think that's the other part of this, you know, puzzle that's um, feels a little outdated in some ways. So, so yeah, so we probably should be charging more for our products and the, the business would be in a much more comfortable place if that's, if that was the case and what we were doing, but we'd rather take the, the harder sort of longer, you know, route to being a, a successful brand and, and knew that that quality would speak for itself. What do you think has been the hardest uh, thing in launching a, a new brand, uh, physical goods? I mean, is there any, you know, stories along the way where you're just like, I'm not going to be able to accomplish this, but you get back up again and you keep going. I'd be curious to hear sort of what has been kind of the challenge. There's been a ton. I think, you know, at the beginning, it was the idea. We had everything we felt like ready to go from a content side of things. We had built the brand. We had gotten the website ready. We had, you know, content ready to go for launch, but the products just weren't ready yet because we were dealing with supply chain delays. And so having to like let go of that and just trust that it'll come when it comes. And there's only so much that you can do to get a manufacturer to, you know, get that pack done faster for you, especially when you're a small brand in the beginning, you just have to sort of let go um, of that. So it's been a, a lesson in letting go of things that you don't have control over, um, which I think is true on the manufacturing side, but it's also, I mean, fundraising is a whole other, especially in this market has been a whole other lesson in, ter- in terms of just, 
you know, trying to work with what you've got and not forcing anything that you don't have control over. So that's been for me, the biggest thing. Um, I mean, we just heard the other day, like we just did a a full run of our balms and there was a quality control issue and they have to redo the entire 10,000 unit run. And it's just, these things happen and you just have to not get too upset about it and figure out how to move on from there. Because at the end of the day, there's only so much you can control in those situations. Yeah. And they're frustrating things. I, I, I laugh because it's, uh, I remember back in the early days, uh, a lot of them, this I talk about in my book I wrote a couple of years ago, the stories are so crazy sometimes. And most yeah. of my friends were not in the beverage industry. So you would, you know, talk about, you know, situations where a product, you know, blew up on the shelf or, uh, you know, yeah. and you're trying to explain it to people why that happened. And and then you, it's just like, you know what, it's just too hard to explain. I just don't even want to talk about it anymore because it's just such a bummer and I didn't see it coming or whatever the situation is. But to look back on those situations and know that it all ended out up okay, but it definitely was a bummer. There's a lot of those along the way. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I remember I had COVID the week that we launched. So that was like, talk about timing of, you know, we had gone back and forth. Do we do an event? Do we do something? And we decided not to go with an in-person event. And then two days before we launched, I found out I had COVID and I was just like, thank God that we didn't do that at the same time because I wouldn't have been able to be there. And I wouldn't, you just can't, you can't predict any of these things. And also at the same time we were launching, you know, we had prepped so much content for months. I mean, you know, we were doing photo shoots back in December for our launch in May and and getting everything ready to go so that we'd be super buttoned up. And like a week before we launched, Instagram totally changed the algorithm to be reels first. And we were like, we didn't shoot enough video content. Like, what are we going to do? And it's just that thing of like, you constantly just have to figure it out. There's no, there's no real time to get your feet underneath of you. And once I think you accept that that's kind of the case and you're just ready to run, then it it becomes a little bit easier because you're just problem solving all the time and going with it. But yeah, you just, there's letting go of control has been like the biggest lesson for me in the last six months for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. I 1000% get it. So what advice would you give aspiring entrepreneurs knowing what you know today, if they're thinking about starting a company and following, you know, they've got a great idea, but they're just a little nervous about it? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we were just talking to a friend this weekend who should start an interior design business, but it's just you know, a little afraid to, you have to, you have to, I think, analyze whether you're making decisions out of fear or out of a reality and trying to get that fear piece in check, because there's always something to be afraid of, I think, when it comes to entrepreneurship, but you can let that fear get in your way of doing so many wonderful things. And I think when you decide to let go of that fear and trust yourself, um, it's, it's when the magic sort of happens. I always, you know, I, I say to people all the time, like I will bet on myself a hundred percent of the time and, and feeling like you can figure things out and you can just go for it regardless of what that hurdle might be. I do think everything is figure outable. And once you let go of that fear of needing everything to be perfect and just so, and you just start doing and you get into it, I think that's, that's really where true entrepreneurship 
sort of lies. I love that. Well, it's a great note to end on. And it was such a pleasure to talk with you, Emily. And thank you for all the great conversation and insights and super great product and congratulations and wish you guys all the best. I know in a year from now, we're all going to be seeing so much more, probably more SKUs and more placements along the way. But I really, really admire what you guys have done. So Congratulations. And uh, I know everybody's going to love to hear more about your story as well as try your products. We'll have all the info in the show notes as well to everybody. But thank you again. Thank you. This has been such a treat. Thanks again for listening to The Kara Golden Show. Please give us a review and feel free to share this podcast with others who would benefit. And of course, feel free to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Just a reminder that I can be found on all platforms at Kara Golden. And if you want to hear more about my journey, I hope you will have a listen or pick up a copy of my book Undaunted, which I share my journey, including founding and building Hint. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks everyone for listening. Have a great rest of the week and goodbye for now. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.